Merry Christmas. My name is Laura, and I will be reading scripture this morning. Listen for the word of God. Today's Old Testament reading is from the book of Isaiah, chapter 52, beginning at verse 1. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of the messenger who announces peace, who brings good news, who announces salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. Listen, your sentinels lift up their voices. Together they sing for joy, for in plain sight they see the return of the Lord to Zion. Break forth together into singing, you ruins of Jerusalem, for the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord has bared his holy arm before the eyes of all the nations, and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. Our gospel reading is from the Good News according to John, chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood, or of the will of the flesh, or of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, as your word shone forth at creation, we pray that your word would shine forth through these human words that they would be filled with your light and that the darkness that settles over our souls might be scattered and we might be made new. Bless us in Jesus' name. Amen. So the late, great New Testament scholar David Bartlett tells of a story visiting a local Kmart one Christmas, if you remember what Kmart is. I mean, yeah, yeah. I don't, they don't have them in Canada anymore, do they? Darn. Um, but his family collected nativity sets, you know, little miniatures of baby Jesus, Mary, shepherds, angels, and they were on the lookout for some more. And as he was looking over a couple of sets in the Kmart, he noticed something kind of strange. He noticed that none of them had prices on them. 
None of them had prices. So he searched around and eventually asked a clerk for help. And rolling her eyes widely, the clerk, the clerk pointed to a neon orange sign that read, The price is under the baby Jesus. The price is under the baby Jesus. So sure enough, he turned over the chubby little ceramic savior, and there it was, $24.99. The price was under the baby Jesus. The price is under the baby Jesus. Now, as funny as this story is, to me anyway, I think it's also helpful for us in thinking about Christmas, at least John's version of the Christmas story. You'll remember that in the New Testament, there are four accounts of Jesus' life. We have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, four versions. And there are similarities, there are differences, and there are repetitions in each of them, but each tells the story differently. And about Jesus' birth, there is, it is no exception. Luke's the one that we're most familiar with. Luke's the one with the manger, the shepherd, uh, the shepherds and angels, no room at the inn, glad tidings of joy, great joy for all people. Luke lingers in Jesus' childhood for a couple chapters before getting to Jesus' adult ministry. And then we have Matthew, which is probably the most similar one to Luke. It tells a parallel story that focuses on God coming to Joseph in a dream to tell him that Mary's pregnant, uh, not to divorce her for obvious reasons. No, it's God's baby, Joseph, so don't divorce her, please. And this is the one where the wise men show up with gifts. That's Matthew's gospel, and they take, they take a chapter or so to set the scene. Mark's, however, is the shortest gospel. There's no manger, there's no wise men. It's just, boom, it's good news of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God. Boom, that's it. That's all Mark says about the birth of Jesus. Mark's got no time for babies at all. It's just boom, one sentence, Jesus is a man, Jesus gets baptized, Jesus is tempted by the devil, Jesus casts out clean spirit, unclean spirits, and it's just chapter one, right? It's boom, boom, boom. Now, while the first three may be different, the fourth, John, John takes the cake for difference. John doesn't start with the beginning of Jesus' life. John doesn't start with Jesus' life at all, at least not his earthly one. In the beginning was the Word, John says, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. In him was life, and the life was the light of all people. And the life shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. Whew. Man. Where the other three Gospels start with the life of Jesus' baby or grown-up Jesus, John starts with the beginning of time. John starts before the beginning of time. He begins with the pre-existing Word, the creating power of God, what we might call in later theological language the second person 
of the Trinity. He begins with creation, with life and light and darkness. I mean, it's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful, but it's a bit of a strange way to start a story, especially a story that's supposed to be the biography of a human being. And it's all very abstract, right? No wonder Luke's version in the manger and the shepherds and the angels is the reading for Christmas Eve because they're much more concrete and relatable. We can kind of look at it and sort of picture ourselves in the scene, but try to make a nativity scene out of John's gospel, right? Oh, uh, what's that piece? Well, it's the logos, uh, God's pre-existing word. Uh, uh, what, what gave it away? It's not much of a nativity scene building story. But this brings us back to that nativity set story that I began the sermon with. The beginning of John's gospel is like that. He's trying to tell us what's under the baby Jesus. Turn over baby Jesus and you get what's not immediately obvious in the nativity scene. You get what you can't see through the naked eye. Turn that little baby Jesus over and you have John chapter 1. Not 2499, but John chapter 1. John tells us that Christmas has been in the works since the very beginning, when the universe was just a shimmer in the Creator's eye. God spoke a word in the beginning that brought light to the darkness, light to the void, the spark at the beginning that ignited the unfolding of creation. And that light gradually shone forth, bringing forth galaxies, planets, including our own, like seedlings sprouting in the face of the spring sunshine. And gradually that same word called forth human beings like us, out of the soil, stretching towards the sun of the Creator. You want to call it a big bang? Go ahead. But whether it was silent or a big bang, in this word was life, the light of all people. But something happened. There was a fall. The light in life animating humanity became obscured, rejected. Human beings turned away from that life and turned inward. A great shadow loomed over the human condition, and underneath it erupted violence, self-centeredness, abuse, and hatred. Brother rose up against brother, sister against sister, nation against nation, evil, sin, death, obscured all that was beautiful. It seemed like darkness threatened to smother the light for good. But this God refused to allow her beloved world and benighted humanity to be swallowed up by the void. So in the fullness of time, the word dove into the world, into darkness itself, taking it head on, assuming our fallen nature and an act of deliverance. The word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood, in the words of Eugene Peterson. The word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. The light dove into the darkness. The irony, of course, is that when the word came, we didn't even recognize him, even though he made us. We didn't recognize him even though he made us. Even we who were the best schooled in the divine arts, the theologians, our eyes had become so used to the dark that the light seemed like an intrusion, like an enemy. He wasn't what we expected. We figured that light would fight the darkness with the same weapons we use, but bigger, many more megatons, 
a lot more ammo. But instead, we got this weak Jew from Nazareth, uninterested in political power or social prestige, who turned the other cheek, who loved his enemies and blessed his persecutors, even the ones who strung him up on a cross. He gathered an army of just 12 and sent them out with only their sandals, proclaiming an end to the darkness altogether with the advent of an eternal light. So we all took our battle stations in the shade. We took up a cross and nails and joined the darkness in blotting him out. We joined the darkness in blotting him out. And you know, the darkness did its best or its worst (laughs) to keep the light at bay. The darkness did its worst. But you know, this is the original fairy tale. This is, a, this is what the great writer J.R.R. Tolkien said of the gospel, that the gospel is the original fairy tale. Not that it's made up or something, but that it's the true story that sets the happily ever after pattern ever since. It's the true original story that all the stories that end happily ever after take their cue from. Nothing could hold back the creative power of God's word. Just when we thought the candle was snuffed out for good, the same spark that lit up creation in the beginning flashed again and blew apart the darkness from the inside out. We call this resurrection. The darkness did its worst, but the damage was done. The darkness was beaten decisively and would be in retreat until it was all washed away in the great horizon of infinity. The door was open to a whole new creation, never to close again. Grace upon grace, truth upon truth, flowing from eternity into our hearts and into the streets and to every corner of the cosmos. You see, as lovely as the manger is, baby Jesus and angels, these can quickly become sentimental. Nice, warm, and fuzzy. But turn over that baby Jesus and you get the costs. John tells us that something important is happening. Something cosmic is occurring is in, in this little baby ball of joy. A cosmic struggle between the good creator and the forces of sin, chaos, death, and destruction. A war that has been waged and won with the beachhead at Bethlehem and the great victory at Gethsemane waged by the Prince of Peace through the power of the cross and the empty tomb. That is the story that John tells us. Turn over that baby Jesus and you'll see that death has been thrown down. Turn over that baby Jesus and you'll know sin has been broken. Turn over that baby and you'll see every broken heart amended, every screwed up life unraveled, every sin forgiven, nations reconciled, every enemy made into a friend. Turn over the baby, you'll find forgiveness, mercy, love, and justice are destined to be the law of the land. And it's supposed to have been that way since the beginning. And it'll be that way forever and ever and ever.
That's the revelation. Turn the baby over and you get the whole world turned upside down. Everything made new. That's what happened in the manger. That's what happened at Christmas. So brothers and sisters, dear children of God, I know that this ain't the Christmas we wanted, yet again. And it ain't the world, really, that we've wanted either in so many ways. There's so much darkness out there that many days the light doesn't seem like it has much chance at all. But in our world where hope is in such short supply, we've been given the greatest gift of all. God's grace and power in Jesus Christ that brings light the darkness can never overcome and promises to scatter it one day for good. So, dear friends, there's nothing you've got to do this Christmas but trust in this truth. Just turn the baby over. Hear the good news that Christ is born. Bring him glory and believe on his name. Merry Christmas. Which is to say, Amen. Thank you.
Christ to 